Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the Awesome Algo podcast. We are nearing the end of 2022 and we still have a few guests on uh, our agenda. Before we dive into this topic, I wanted to make a short announcement that there's a new platform available for the Awesome Algo available at ask.awesomealgo.com and essentially it's a platform where any listener, if, you, if you're a listener of this podcast, you can come in there uh, use your um, Algorand Pair wallet and authenticate to ask a question for free. You have one question and one vote per question available uh, before the upcoming episode starts. And this is uh, your best choice to essentially uh, get one of your questions propagated and uh, be picked to be asked to the guests. Uh, the voting happens uh, and essentially after voting, top three questions are going to be picked. And in fact, there's a few questions uh, that we actually gathered in a couple of days. This only launched uh, two days ago. So we have a few questions for Kieran from the community that we will run down at the uh, very end of the episode. And with that, let's proceed uh, to episode number 10. Uh, our today's guest is Kieran Nelson. He's one of the co-founders of Algagator. Uh, the topic of the episode is building an aggregation portfolio tracker with multi-protocol compatibility on Algorand. So we're going to be talking about portfolio trackers on Algorand. And uh, Kieran has a very interesting background uh, lasting for over a decade uh, in software engineering and software development. So I'm sure he's going to be a wonderful guest. Um, and without further ado, I did my um, due diligence by um, investigating the platform and uh, getting a bit familiar with the latest V2 version of it. Um, so ready for, uh, ready for the episode, Kiran, and uh, the stage is yours. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, maybe provide a brief overview of, uh, let's say, your academic background and decision-making behind uh, choosing the field of engineering? Yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, um, so I'm Kieran, I'm one of the co-founders at Algogear. Um, I got into software development, uh, it feels like a lifetime ago, um, 20, 2009 uh, is when I went to university. I went to university, the University of the West of Scotland here in, uh, in Scotland, uh, over in Paisley, next to my house. Um, I decided to go into software engineering, this is going to sound silly, on, on a bit of a whim. Um, I was in dead-end jobs, didn't really enjoy things, was working at a call centre at the time. Um, if anyone remembers swine flu, I was on the call centre for swine flu in the UK. Um, and I was bored and it was clearing time for the, the universities. Uh, so I went on the website, saw uh, that you could do uh, computer games technology. I was a big gamer back in the day. so. I'd always liked stuff like that. I thought, hey, that sounds good. Phoned them up and said, can I get in with my medium grades? And they said, oh, yeah, fantastic. Come on down. UWS, uh, University of West Scotland, not the most prestigious of universities um, in the UK, and especially in Scotland. We've got plenty of prestigious universities. This is not one. But it was very much a university that was targeted toward get degree, get job, have career. Um, so that kind of spoke to me. I, I wasn't really the most academic of people. Mm -hmm. um, certainly when I was doing my honours year, my fourth year, I did not enjoy having to write like a 70,000 word report. It wasn't great. <laughs> but did it, but didn't, didn't enjoy it that much. Um, so computer games got me into programming. Started off doing, our, our main language was C++. Because uh, this was back in um, OpenGL 2 and OpenGL 3 had only just been released. Um, 
I think it's a great first language to start with. Oh yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of knowledge about how things work under the hood. I I think it just teaches you to be um, uh, to understand what's happening in the background and have you don't have to understand the whole thing because I certainly don't. But um, means that you know that it's not as simple as it looks <laughs> on a in a high level language. Um, so C plus plus with OpenGL, some three D stuff. Um, did a little bit of Java as well. Because they wanted to introduce us to like a very much object oriented first language, um, and yeah, went went from there. Got my first jobs in the games industry during university. Did some internships, made mobile games for a couple of years uh, over in Dundee, um, which was again still C plus um, plus, but where you know you had your wrapper layers in Java for Android and and or Objective C as it was at the time um, for for Apple devices. Um, so it was fun to actually work in the mobile industry at that point because you get to see uh, things as they went when I started the iPad 3 was new. Um, so that was a whole new concept, you know, the big screens and stuff. And still, it still was the problem of having to port things. One of my, my first actual real industry job was porting an Android, porting an iOS game to Android and Kindle. Um, which and was Kindle. Like, okay, so it's uh, it's it's not yeah, a yeah. heavy heavy three D. Uh, like that that game was not heavy on three D graphics. Then. Oh no! So, okay. Oh no! It was a words. Okay. It was like a. It was like a words with friend derivative. Mm, okay. Um. All I mean, classic mobile game studio. Yeah, that was the kind of puzzly games that we made. Um. So that was a year of my life spent, uh, and that's how I learned how to debug things properly because I didn't have a didn't have a proper IDE. Didn't have IntelliSense, didn't have a debugger. I just had console, the code, and uh, printf, pretty much. Well, some say sometimes all you need is Vim, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was that was that was that. I uh, eventually moved back to Glasgow um, and got a job in software consultancy, digital transformation stuff, which I did for about six years. Um, eventually, becoming a software engineering manager or leading the department of software engineers. Um, so I went a lot more down the management route. I recently started a new job where I'm lead developer, but it's very much the same thing. It's very much managing the team of developers and making sure they, that they work correctly. So for a good couple of years, I wasn't really doing much development at all. Um, and uh, I got into Web3 stuff and Algorand specifically only September, 2021. Because we, um, um, what was I doing? Yeah, I, I, I'd always heard about crypto and Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff, um, but I'd never really got into it. I'd bought some Bitcoin and some Ethereum and then sold it immediately because I was like, oh no, um, like a year before. I wish I'd kept it. Um, <laughs> and um, so I decided to have a look at different Web3 stuff, different cryptocurrencies. You know, I'd looked at Cosmos, I'd looked at, um, um, Cardano, I looked at Ethereum, you know, all, all what, of the, what were the main uh, things you were assessing when you were looking into those chains? On, honestly, was it, it was it consensus the, or? Uh, no, not really, because I was still kind of wrapping my head around how a blockchain works, but I was just looking at the, the tech side of things. Um, so when I looked at Algorand, all of the boxes were kind of ticked because it seemed like it's really fast finality. Um, it's very low fees, 
uh, it's fast and it's open and it works and it's new. I like I like to get in on things when they're relatively new. I know Algorand had probably been around for two or three years by that point, but to me it was new. Um, and, and relatively in crypto, it wasn't certainly wasn't Ethereum numbers or anything like that. Ethereum seemed like just the strangest thing. I, I couldn't understand gas fees. Um, and the other ones, uh, I looked at Polkadot, couldn't understand it. Honestly, I, I, I swear down, I'm a software engineer like 10 years, couldn't actually understand Polkadot. So pass that one. Um, uh, Cosmos seemed very cool, but uh, again, very much, you know, the cross-chain stuff, I wanted something a bit simpler. And Algorand was, it just seemed like the best tech around, and it was a nice, simple proposition. Um, the consensus algorithm, nice and simple. It's, you know, it, using proper randomness, pick people in the consensus and get them to vote. Um, I did take on some, I jumped on and got my, got someone at work to pay for my Coursera, Coursera subscription and did a couple of um, blockchain-related um courses there so like uh, a whole piece on DeFi, especially with algogator because we were um i know i'm jumping ahead um because we're you know we have to know about DeFi, how it works so i had to i did, I did a course on all the different things in DeFi, how it works where it came from all that kind of good stuff um so yeah web, web three for me it was I, I was in other tokens and stuff i think i'd sold them all within a month and just stuck with algorand and started to get involved in a little bit more of the community. This was back when it was just Yieldly uh, at the time. Um, and oh, everyone was I very excited. remember the days, yeah. Yeah, and everyone was very excited because Tiny Man was coming. Uh, no more, I didn't have to go to MEXC anymore to uh, to swap my um, USDT to Yieldly and then transfer it back uh, and get stung with the, oh, you need, it needs to be at least $30 or something like that. Oh, God, must be an easier way. And then there was. Um, so I was very excited to kind of be there at that at the start of things and, and, and see how things were coming along. And I mean, it's it's still pretty much your very early days, right? It, it, it's on, on the scale of things a year, of course, is extremely oversaturated in crypto, but uh, on a grander scheme of things, um, the, the path to, you know, friendship with regulators, governments and uh, having big adoption where uh, you have... I don't know, uh, grandma pulling up iPhones and sending algos to each other or use it, paying it for utility bills or whatever is is, 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 is a long, long, very complicated path. And uh, we'll see. But on the tech side, thing, uh, things for sure. And uh, some things from the organiza organizational side are shaping up in the ecosystem. So uh, excited to see what's, uh, what's going to be uh, new in, in the coming year. But... With that set aside, I think it, it was a great uh, brief overview of your biography and uh, your journey that you made into Algorand. But uh, before we dive into the main topic um, of the of the episode, which is Algogator, uh, any chance you could also uh, maybe set the stage a little bit for the main terminology on um, what what is a a portfolio tracker basically what is an aggregation portfolio tracker mm -hmm. in, in in the context of web3 um domain let's say yeah so i think the uh, i mean this comes back to why we started it in the first place so um even with algorand um in a, a couple of months you had yieldly and then you had tiny man and then you had i can't remember what was next was it algo find next there's a couple more that came out afterwards um the really the portfolio aggregation is just to really look at the landscape of DeFi within a blockchain, any any blockchain, uh, because users can have 
Uh, they have their you know native tokens. They have lots of other tokens in their wallets. But one of the main features of um, blockchains with smart contracts is smart contracts, where you can lock tokens in. And a lot of smart concepts, smart contracts work off of that concept anyway, um, where tokens get sent to a contract, they're held for a specific length of time, or they're swapped for something else, etc. Um, so when you do that, they're not in the wallet anymore. And you have to go manually find out where things are and pull them back. So the aggregation is to make it simple for people to see all of their net worth, all of their worth in that blockchain at a glance and be able to drill down into it. Because we, we we were doing our initial kind of um, market research, I suppose you would call it. You know, reaching out to people asking them, how do you track your, work, your tokens in DeFi right now? And I swear to God, honestly, some people were using pen and paper to actually track their... A lot of people use spreadsheets, uh, but some people were actually using pen and paper and updating it daily in a little book. Um, so we thought there was, a, there was definitely a place where... Um, aggregation had to come into it um, and in addition to DeFi, there's also uh, the nft world which i'm a big supporter of love a bit of nfts um and that you know especially back when we started um there wasn't a huge amount of standards and there wasn't a huge amount of places to view your nfts i remember buying one what, what, when was that sorry uh when was the uh like the very early days of the aggregator if you could um, just, it was, uh, we, yeah yeah it was um i I'll give you the I'll give you the, the how we met story. The um Garrett, who is the CTO and co-founder as well, he put a message out on Reddit. Um I think I've shared it on Twitter from us before. Um that just said, you know, we're designing a portfolio tracking app. Do you think that's a good idea? That kind of thing. And I responded back and said, Yeah, obviously. There's only two dApps at the moment, but I still can't be bothered to go to two different places and my wallet to count things up. Um, and I sent him a message. I just casually just thought um, I was in this room and I was just on my phone. I thought I'll just send him a message, just say, "Yeah, hey, I'm a developer too. If you need a bit of help or even just another pair of eyes, let me know." And we got chatting, and I joined the Discord with him and 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 Paco, who was the the other co-founder who's since left. Um, he was doing the design, um, and we got chatting about what we wanted to do. Uh, and th that was the start of it. So we met at the start of October and we, the first version of Algogator went live on the 28th of November, 2021. So we're just over a year old, which is fun. Um, so yeah, it was out in November um, with support for your wallet, some NFTs and Yieldly at the time. So that was, that was the very, very beginning of things. Nice. So I think it, um, Para was already renamed, right, at that time? No, it was still the official Algorand wallet. Okay, so we still had, like, Algo Signer, my Algo wallet. We had um, Wallet Connect and the Algorand mobile wallet before it was transferred to the Hippo Labs folks. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, the ecosystem was still pretty early. I actually don't recall if there was a lot of or any aggregators available back in that day. Um, well, there's the RM partners or our uh, fellow aggregators or some may be call them the competition um, the, the only one that was around at that time was ASA stats who are still around uh, and doing oh, yeah, a great yeah. job mm -hmm. uh, doing a great job uh, I could be that guy and say ah we're better than but ASA stats do a great job um, they're a different direction from us and the way that they run their projects and stuff um, but they were 
out around about the same time as us. Mm. So we've always compared ourselves to what they do. Um, you know, they have they track more than us. Even now, they, they do track a lot more stuff than us. Um, but we think that our site looks better, which the user experience and stuff is very important for us. Uh, so we, we think we can nail it on that one, especially with the latest version of V3. But yeah, there wasn't that much out there. there wasn't that much out there. Oh, and there was Algo Portfolio. Um, uh, Stein, who built that, is now the guy that builds the um, Mostly Friends um, quests and everything. He, he works with the Yieldling and, uh, and does all that stuff. Works with Stitch and makes all the Mostly Friends stuff. So he's a, he's a great Web3 developer. Um, I don't know if you had him on before. I haven't had him, but I... I um... You mentioned asset stats. I actually have those folks on the SMLGO list. Uh, I don't have the Algo portfolio. I will edit after the episode. Actually, just check their page. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they, I think the portfolio tracker is kind of not going anywhere at the minute because he's very busy doing stuff with uh, with Mingo and mostly friends and all that kind of stuff. But um, Stein, whose his Twitter is at Algo Portfolio, um, mm-hmm. he's he's really really good. He's uh, he's a super smart guy. He helped us out in the early days, actually. We had to be ask him, uh, how did you do this? Because <laughs> he had it, and he's like, oh, yeah, the Teal 5 tools for Yieldly, when they came out, they were a mess. Oh, my God, so difficult to actually, like, you, it was really having to go into the actual um, global state, the local state, mm-hmm. combine a lot of data, and it wasn't consistent, so it was very difficult to do. Luckily, I didn't have to do that. Uh, Garrett did that. Uh, which is actually one of the most interesting points. Like for when we started Algogator, uh, Paco did the design, Garrett did the coding, and I came in just to do project management, marketing, business side of things. I I, I didn't touch the code until um, well earlier this year. Actually, I didn't actually touch the code. I always say I'm a developer by trade, so we had discussions how technically things should be done, and I did give my piece on designing things like that but it was ultimately Garrett's choice on mm-hmm. much of the early design of the application um v3 the current version was a lot more me because uh, Garrett took some time off um so I picked up kind of the sole development of the platform in some ways uh, from June this year uh, to rebuild it from from v2 to v3 mm-hmm. so in, in in this case um just just to recap for um for our listeners um as as you've just heard from Kieran the early launch dates for the first iteration was November 2021 the main use case for it is of course defi is um just as a lot of ideology coming from web3 itself there's a lot of decentralization going on so if you are an active user of a defi ecosystem probably are invested or interacting with a large pool of different applications that are not necessarily connected. But the entry point is often your authentication, your wallet, your keys that you're holding with yourself. So um, aggregation and portfolio trackers are very useful tools because they allow you to essentially tap into that ecosystem and uh, get analytics, get different statistics, and provide a lot of uh, useful functionality on top of you without sacrificing on you know being part of one huge blob uh, that is centralized and you know everything is controlled from from that entry point it's still an entry point but uh, it it's an entry point into your communication with the decentralized ecosystem so with that in mind i um 
and given the fact that you're mentioning that there wasn't a lot of competition back in the day, although I do like your comment on how uh, you approach the competition in general, it's, it's, it's a healthy approach, I would say, you know, um, competition is, uh, is not, um, it's usually a good um, source it's of good uh, motivation and sort of a good mm -hmm. source of uh, innovation in that sense. Um, but what, what would you say are essentially the key features of aggregator that currently, um, and not currently, maybe on many stages of iteration of the mm -hmm. platform, if you were to break down from V1, so let's say V3, what were the main key features at every um, yeah. new iteration, essentially? Okay. Um, well, uh, if I'm an algo user, right, I have a wallet, let's say I have uh, committed a few things to um, platforms like Folks Finance or uh, AlgoFi, I, I hold the several NFTs, right? Uh, what are what would be the main key features in that case uh, that Algogator would allow me to easily uh, access? Yeah, um, I'll give you the overall features because the mm -hmm. features remained relatively the same but were added to as time went on and got sure. better as time went on. So um, current features as an Algo user, um, we track your, we will give you your net worth uh, aggregated across all DeFi platforms where you've got tokens stored or staked or you know in lp pools or something like that so you get a nice figure which is here's your total net worth in the fiat currency of your choice and also in algo uh, as well and um, we also do btc and ETH. um and then we break that down so we, we've kind of taken uh, always taken a review of like a drill down so we give you that top level which is here's your total net worth then here's your wallet balance like for the tokens that are actually in your wallet right now wallet balance uh, and then you're um, kind of from that we can see and see the DeFi difference like everything else is in DeFi at that point um, so we give a breakdown of all your tokens the current prices uh, which is brought together from we use three pricing oracles right now so we use Tinyman we use AlloFi and Pact for our pricing oracle and we combine everything together and take the take that the, the highest amount um and show you that price um and then when we get into the actual DeFi, you can drill down further and see right for every protocol that you're in you can see um what you have specifically logged into like what's your net worth for that DeFi protocol so for my account right now it would show algofi it would show uh opulus uh and a little bit of tiny man because there's some dust left over that's stuck in some LPPs. we do show those um, so you can see that specifically for yourself and you've also got performance so you get a graph of performance over time um of what your net worth has been since since you first um logged into our platform so it's, it's specific to us it's not for all time um but it's just since you kind of connected with us we can track it over time uh, and give you a breakdown in a pie chart to see what you've got um every single DeFi protocol that we integrate gets its own page so if you want to see AlgoFi, you go to AlgoFi. You can see your net worth and then the specifics, you know, your total borrowed, your total lending, your utilization. Um, and then we break that down into here's the individual pools that you're in and their value and the APY and all that kind of stuff. So definitely keeping that drilled in approach. Um, as someone that has tokens in their wallet, one of the things that we wanted to kind of answer the question on, which you see sometimes is... Um, with new people coming into the ecosystem is, I have Algorand, I have some USDC, maybe they've got some DeFly, that's a popular one, um, or they've got some 
some opal, again, also popular. What do we do with it type thing? So we came up with a concept which is new for V3 and probably our, our favorite feature at the moment, which is getting built out further, which is opportunities. So we show you the best APYs you can get for the tokens in your wallet across all of the DeFi that we integrate. So you'll be able to see, um, for instance, if it's USDC, you'll be able to see the different pools, like LP pools that you can have across the different main providers. We give you a little breakdown of, you know, pros and cons. You know, there's no lockup period, but there's impermanent loss. Um, if there's any end date for those pools. And we also set a projection for you, which is, as the caveat, doesn't take into account if the token price goes up or down. But it says if you put $1,000 of this token into this pool, here's what you would get back in a week, uh, three months, six months, and a year. So you can see that in whatever fiat currency you want and also in Algo. Um, and we link out to the specific page so you can take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, we also show like all of them. So you can actually just look at all the, and all the opportunities and uh, filter them by platform. So if you're very much, people get kind of a little bit tribal and they say, well, I only use AlgoFi. Um, so if you want to see all the opportunities in AlgoFi, you can go see them all. Um, and we also added a new a couple of new sections for GAlgo. So for um, liquid governance, what can you do with GAlgo once you get it in a governance period? We thought it was important to say, here's where you could stake it or have LP or whatever. Um, and also we I put in a new section just for stable coins. So for USDC and USDT um, and Go USD as well, um, we've got all the opportunities specific to those just to give some extra filtering for people. Um, so that's one of our favorite features and we are working to build that out over time and add more features to that. Um, so that's DeFi, NFT side of things. You can view all the NFTs you have in your wallet. We support all of the myriad of standards, ARC3, ARC69, ARC19, 69 slash 19, 69 slash 3, uh, 3 slash 69. Um, all of those different ones uh, are covered. And you can view your NFTs in a nice grid or in a list. And if you click into them, you can see more information about them, get a nice big image, and you can see the sales data for that particular NFT over time, all the different sales that have been made. The split between royalties and platform fees so you can see what actually goes to the creators from each of those sales that data is something that we're still putting all together and, and getting uh, i can't think of the word kind of amalgamating all that sales data so that we can show you like for a collection here's how much the user actually got or the creator actually got and here's how much the platforms like brand gallery or algo xnft here's how much they got from all the sales because there was a lot of chat about royalties um that's an aside. <laughs> um, if you have any questions, please jump in because I will just keep going. The NFT side of things. So yeah, we show them all those. That's in your wallet. We also show have a tab. I have some questions create. on the architecture side, but go. please go on. Yeah, no, 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 please go on actually. Okay, uh, okay. I, I wanted to, to finish with the, with the coverage because after that, uh, I just wanted to follow up with some uh, architecture related yeah. questions. Just curious how, uh, you know, this, this sounds like a lot of uh, ETLs running. There's a lot of for, uh, yeah. for, for, for all this data, but yeah, please. Uh, for, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so for NFTs, we've got everything in your wallet, but we also show a tab for your creations. So if you're a creator, you'll see all your creations there. Uh, we have your listings across Rand Gallery and AlgoX, and also offers between Rand and AlgoX. Um, we've only integrated thoroughly with those two marketplaces so far, but we do have it on the list to get the other one. Um, 
NFTs, uh, our platform fully supports NFTs as the algo name service of choice. Um, so you can you can log in with a wallet to our platform. So my algo, Para, Exodus, mm-hmm. Wallet Connect. You can log in with that, or you can simply just search for. Hopefully, we met the mask in, in a couple of months. Hopefully, it will be. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be on that straight away. Um, absolutely. Hopefully. Uh, John Woods has managed to get that part of like Algo Kit or something like that, and we can. It's a nice integration. Um, but yeah, so NFTs you can search with a wallet address or an NFT, and if you do NFTs, you get you get to see your avatar and, and stuff like that. And we use NFTs throughout the platform. If there's a place where there would be an address, if there's an NFT available, we'll show that instead with the avatar and a nice little layout that we've that we've put together, just because we really like it. Um, and we do have a section for NFTs for all the ones you hold in your wallet, uh, which will show you all the metadata um, and like a nice gallery view for all your NFTs as well. What else have we got? I might actually have to open the site to, to remember exactly all the features, but um, I think that's... I think you... Oh, uh, pretty also... much everything. Oh, we, and we do have a, a, a growing list. I think it's 800 to 900 currently of NFT collections that we have indexed. Um, so you can view and search uh, any of those NFT collections. You'll see some stats, their Twitter feeds, their highlights from the collection, your holdings. Uh, and also, like, you can see the full collection if you want. And it, there will be a tab in there for sales data for the mm-hmm, whole mm-hmm. period for all of them. Um, but it's just... A, aggregating all that data together takes a little bit of time and uh, we want to build that out to give some more stats for the creators to see who their holders are and what they do i think there's a whole big space there that we could we could take advantage of um but yeah that's it and there's some analytics about our platform and stuff um but that's neither here nor there um that's that's enough i think (laughs) right now awesome awesome yeah yeah like uh to recap for the listeners out there uh, you could see that uh, there was a very nice coverage of different features in regards to what exactly is meant by the aggregation. And this is not limited to just NFTs, as you can see and here from here and here. But essentially, there is um, a lot of integrations with things like NFTs. Uh, you have integrations with different DeFi platforms in the ecosystem. Uh, you have things like... Um, Real estate, right? You mentioned the. Um, That's the other one. That's yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Lofty, uh, Lofty AI integration yeah. as well, which is a fractionalized investment platform. Um, there is some analytics included, and uh, I believe you guys also provide the uh, documentation on GitBook, where you could uh, get familiar with uh, each and every one of those uh, individual features and uh, especially yeah, yeah. learn how to use them better. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great. I mean, oh, the the thing was uh, what you just described is uh, it sounds like uh, you're paying a lot for uh, for the storage, <laughs> right? Like what's uh, not necessarily. I, I, I'm, I'm just I'm just curious. <laughs> well, right, yeah. I, 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 I'm sure there could be some interesting uh, scenarios where uh, things like IPFS could be leveraged, right? But um, if you were to give a higher level sort of architectural overview. And let's mm-hmm. say we can pick the very latest iteration, which is uh, V3. Um, if you were to give like high level architectural overview of how, how the um, the platform works and what would you say are the most heavily utilized uh, layer one features from Algorand? Um, so yeah, in, in terms of our infrastructure, 
Uh, yeah, V3 is the most interesting because V1 and 2 were Angular apps, which were just front-end. Mm-hmm. Everything was done front-end. Now we have a full kind of stack for ourselves. So we've got back-end database in, my, in, sorry, in PostgreSQL. Mm-hmm. I use MySQL at my day job. That's why it's in my head. PostgreSQL. And then we have a Node.js back-end uh, and a React.js front-end. Um Mm-hmm. And with some gubbins around there, all the UI is built on Tailwind UI, which oh, nice, is nice. fantastic. Love that thing. Um, so, I, I think you you mentioned about the you know storage and, and data and all that kind of stuff. Um, we do hold data for addresses. It's all anonymized anyway, but we do hold data for addresses for your account. Um, we do query the algorithm. Uh, we do query the blockchain through indexers. We've recently switched over to using Algo Node pretty exclusively. We used to use Algo Explorer, but they kept changing their API, which caused our site to break, which wasn't fun. Uh, so we switched over to Algo Node. Um, so we it's use it's snappier indexer. as well, right? It's a fresh, uh, it's a fresh yeah. uh, node if you it's compare. Nice, it's it nice and fast, and it's uh, it's but. Uh... Not to diss the folks from Rand Labs. Uh, I know they're doing some great work on the Go Explorer site, but uh, yeah, I'll go note just from loading and things like loading NFTs as well. I just noticed that uh, some of their um, gateways they also provide the IPFS gateway for free, right? They do. They, yes. they do. We um, we have our own um, IPFS node, mm-hmm. so we've always just done that ourselves. Really, um, we don't hold any NFT images. We wouldn't download those. Yeah. Um, we we just request them at the time. Um, I will go into a thing with that. Um, so the main, I mean, the main features of Algorand that we use is, um, is is really just purely the indexer and some of the um, the Algod stuff mm-hmm. just for doing mm-hmm. um, some some lowdown things. But mainly, we're using the the API for if someone logs in, for instance, if someone puts their wallet address in or their NFT or connects with a wallet provider, um, we'll go get their account mm-hmm. um just from you know the normal like slash address call um we'll then grab from that we'll have all their assets and such and the applications that they're connected to um and we'll load up and, and work out what those assets are one of the things you have to do is to def- define between uh you know asa or nft I know they're the same thing, but uh, this world is... It's, and are you just looking at the uh, decimal? Like um, you look at decimals, or? you look at decimals, but you also look at quantities and you look at creators and we amalgamate that with some data that we yeah. already have in the back end. Um, so we use that, we bring all that data back and then for each DeFi protocol, we'll um, use our own custom integration, which either makes use of their open APIs mm-hmm. or their SDKs. Uh, which are available. Um, so all of our integrations involve working closely with the, each of those platforms. Because, yeah. you know, we need to talk to them to find out what they want to do and how we want to do it. And can we do anything special for them? That kind of thing. Um, but our main kind of features with Algorand, and specifically what we use the, the, the blockchain for, um, it's querying against addresses or in some cases where there aren't great APIs, like like Yieldly is an example. With those TL5 pools, we have to go to the application global and local states to decipher and work out what they've got. Um, Cometa is also that same case. We haven't got the full integration for Cometa yet. 
because it's uh, we would have to integrate it with using the application local and global states but they do have an API so we're kind of just in a middle ground going well you said you might update it so I'll maybe I'll wait because <laughs> um, I'd rather use the APIs because they would necessarily be they're not perfect because obviously if the API goes down or anything then we're, we're out of luck uh, whereas the blockchain will always be there, but we find it to be faster um, if the people on that side have already sanitized the data for us, mm-hmm. then we'll use that. Because one of our main things is we want to provide as much to our users as we can, but we don't want to have to reinvent the wheel every time. So just finish actually off the folks finance V2 integration today and nice. tomorrow. Um, and their SDK, and I hope they don't take it the wrong way if they do see this, but their V1 API SDK, sorry, was not the best. It was not easy to use. You had to go find the specific escrow addresses and the loan ID. You had to do a lot of groundwork to, to pull that back. Mm-hmm. The V2 SDK is much friendlier um, and they've and they put some functions in specifically for us to, to call that made it easier for us <laughs> as well. Um, so yeah, architecturally, we had to rebuild the whole platform going from V2 to V3. We started with a blank slate. That's why it took six months. Um, which was a crazy decision because we did have a platform that worked that people yeah. used, but we did it so that we could take advantage of React components, um, so that we could have a database in the background, so we could have a back end, uh, so that the front end wasn't chugging along so much because it allows us to do persistent things such as you know, uh, the NFTs or your NFT details or just anything to do with your account, we can persist that so it's mm-hmm. faster to get it back for you. Um, so normally when we fetch data, it's fetch it from the database, show that, then check if it's updated so that people don't have to stare at a blank screen for too long. Because um, it's all about that user experience for us at the end of the day. Like, like I said, when I mentioned ASA stats, they track more than us, but I think our user experience is better because we really, we put a lot more work into that rather than tracking every single thing in the ecosystem. We will eventually, but it's a slower it's a slower pace for us because we've got a lot of other things we want to do. I mean, it's it's not a necessarily um, radical decision to rewrite a stack for, for a platform if you're in the Web3 space. I think there is uh, certain advantages coming from the usages of, uh, you know, a public ledger and the ledger then can also have some Turing compute, uh, complete computations done for you. Uh, so it's it's basically kind of eases a little bit the amount of dependencies that you have on, uh, let's say if you have a D app, right? It's uh, in some cases, it's, it's easier for people to um, rewrite it into some completely new stack rather than simply because there's a lot of dependency on on-chain data and, and things like that. So mm-hmm. I feel like uh, in, in, in certain cases, it's actually, um, in some domains of blockchain development, it seems to be a, a rather, you know, commonly arising practice where, where people are just, <laughs> all right, um, all my data is on chain, I'm just going to pick a different stack, right? I don't have to worry about database in this case. But um, it, 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 an interesting, I would say, outcome of um, things that uh, things in the engineering domain can do uh, when, when you rely on uh, a big, massive, decentralized public ledger. Um, are there any interesting? Um, so just just to recap, uh, what, what what are the main state stateful things that uh, are persisted after 
a user, let's say, used the platform and logged out. So you mentioned yeah. um, you mentioned using the indexer and things like that. But uh, are there any specific uh, things that are stateful? Um, what we actually like in terms of data that we actually hold, uh, we do take note of your address, your NFT, your total, you know, net worth. Mm -hmm. um, and the actual data that comes back from the blockchain, we do have most of that saved in our database for easy, for easy, you know, retrieval. Um, and each of the DeFi platforms, they have an account as well, um, like an account table. Um, so and they're all structured exactly the same, you know, address, NFT, value, like total value, net worth. And then data, just like the data that we pull back from their SDKs in whatever format that comes back in. Um, we do try and standardize that a little bit so it's a little easier on the front end, but in some cases it's a little bit different, a little bit difficult. Um, on assets and NFTs, we do, if you log in with a wallet with an asset that we haven't seen before, because we have a database of assets, you'll see it on the, if you go to the site and go to the front page, you'll see how many assets we currently track. Um, if we do that, then we go to the indexer, get the asset details. We go to the price oracles, we get the price, we put a bunch of data together and then we save that into the entire asset database. And if it's an NFT, then we add it to our list of NFT um, assets just so that we can do background tasks of checking for new sales, um, checking for collection updates, ARC-19 changes, all that kind of stuff. So uh, all that, there's... Um, some uh, schedule tasks that run uh, that do you know update everyone's accounts check on the balances make sure that we've got the nfts correct are there any new assets do we need to go find those and like i've said we're, we're currently uh, polling for uh, sales data at the moment but it's uh it's an ongoing task because people keep buying stuff um i don't think we have maybe a fifth of all the sales data that we want right now um, I might have to, we're, we're planning on pulling in some serverless architecture to, to handle the schedule tasks so that we can mm -hmm. run them a little bit more frequently um, and they're not using our application server or our, it's not a server, application app platform. We don't have any VMs, I should mm -hmm. make that clear. Uh, we use the DigitalOcean, so we have um, an app platform for the front end and an app platform for the back end and an instanced PostgreSQL database. So we want to add the the serverless functions on top of that so we can put the schedule tasks away from the main stuff because uh, they can nice nice yeah. it, it's one of those things that if you if we wanted to have two containers for resiliency and such for the back end we'd have to modify the code because uh, they would both try and run the, the the schedule task at the same time so it, i mean it's such mm -hmm. a dumb thing but it's we need to move that out to functions and right now we have a limited time, so we, uh, we're we having to focus on integrations with folks, finance, like I say. Uh, if anyone saw yesterday, we've got our announcement that we partnered up with Ultrade. So we'll be bringing a DEX for Algogator natively. Um, so we got a lot of other things on our plate at the minute. Uh, and I was reminded in our Discord that there was so, a I saw that announcement. Congrats on that. Yeah. Uh, if it, it's like a, a white label provider of uh, yeah. DEXs basically and then you're going to like have an instance on a specific Pretty much. yeah it's, nice, it's, nice. it's um a DeFi as a service so interesting it's yeah. a SaaS offering um it'll be branded as algogator um it'll be the full kind of normal trading decks that you would get on something like algo decks or 
what used to be Coinbase Pro or things like that, but specific for Algorand. Um, and it's got shared liquidity, so we can do, if we want to, which we probably will, um, launch our own token. We can do it on that platform, and then it's we don't have to post up liquidity for it because it's a shared liquidity base across all the different tokens that are in there. And then it would be available on the other partners versions as well because like i say it's all from the same central source um and that would give us a nice really easy launch mechanism for our own tokens but that's an aside that won't be happening for a while we need to get the thing up and running first mm-hmm. uh, and that'll be coming hopefully uh early next year that'll be launched but i mean it's nice ni- nice to see some interesting uh, implementation of uh, introducing terms like uh liquidity liquidity as a service or dex as a service I, I wish there was more options like that in the algorithm back in april uh last year <laughs> because yeah. yeah a lot of things had to be done from scratch back then but um well congratulations once again uh, with those announcements it uh, looks like you guys have a lot of uh interesting things going on in in parallel just one uh, final question on on the architecture. This is just something I uh, I have the platform open in background right now, and I was browsing through it. But I'm curious, uh, how how do you handle cases when um, some particular wallets can have a lot of assets attached? Right, I believe uh, the old limit was uh, something around thousand. Now it's even high, higher, I believe. Uh, do you pro- provide uh, some sort of pagination or like batching when you load it or you actually have some sort of longer lasting animation in this case and then uh after everything is indexed indexed you know you 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 sort of allow the user to use the platform or it's more like um reactive when you get a stream of whatever is indexed at at at, at batched intervals basically um it's a it's a tricky one Uh, i mean the i remember going through the thousand asset changeover and people were saying, oh, you need to check this and all that kind of stuff. And turned out that we didn't need to worry about it at all because um, we always had our um, index calls with the appropriate parameters in them anyway because the, the difference was you had to say you wanted everything if you didn't. And the old way was if you didn't say you didn't wanted everything, it would give you everything anyway. But mm-hmm. you always now you had to say include all true. We always did because I just kind of like that. Um, so you'll see when you load an account, it has this spinner at the bottom. It says loading, search an account. When it says search an account, it's loading your assets, the, the basic information for you. Um, and it will just load all the assets. So if you had 10,000 assets, it would load them all. Um, but the actual loading of those assets doesn't take that long because we'll pull the data from the blockchain, which takes however many milliseconds that takes. Um, and then for each asset that comes back, we do a quick check just to see, is it an NFT, is it an LP token, they get pushed. Um, and that's all done asynchronously. And then we can bring it back to the front. And end the images see. are loaded on the front end side. So you don't yeah, they're just loaded on the front I see, front I see, end. nice. Um, so you'll see it'll switch over to loading DeFi. But when it goes to loading DeFi, you can actually use the app at that point and you should see the assets loaded and, um, and things like that. The net worth gets calculated at the end because unfortunately it needs mm-hmm. all the DeFi loaded at the same time. Yeah. We, we did have a few different back and forths on how we would load all the DeFi because, I mean, I'm going to have to change it in the coming, maybe the next six months. If we get 20 integrations, that's us having to do a 
uh, batch kind of promise, a promise all mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. 20 calls. Now, if they all go at the exact same time, yeah, maybe they come back over it, but it's just when those come back, we have to do work in the back yeah. and work out the network. So it's going to end up, I'm going to have to change the architecture. We probably will batch them mm-hmm. together. And I, I would normally do it on the most popular um, just because that makes the best user mm-hmm. experience. Because we do, one of the funny things about actually having a platform like this is actually we have some really interesting data, um, which we haven't given it to anyone. Let's be, let's be completely clear. Haven't um, done anything like that at all, but we have it ourselves to see, well, what's the most popular DeFi platform right now mm-hmm. that people use? Um, what are people using the most? What are people use the least? Um, and of the people that use this, what else do they have? So you can see there's definitely a space for us to extend the analytics by looking at the trends um, and also for the opportunities we wanted to do something like that to see, you know, if you've got, look at your trading history, do you always go for LP or do you stay away from it because of impermanent loss and things you've heard about it? And then maybe we can use that data to say, hey, would you rather try this? Or you haven't, you like staking rather than LP for single tokens, have you tried this website? Because you haven't ever used it before and you might actually quite like it. So it's things like that. Interesting. Um, and yeah, but the, the, the data in the back end is, is quite interesting because uh, I only realized that a little while ago that we could actually pull together the stats of who's the most popular DeFi platform um, based on our relatively small sample size, I will say, because we've still got less than a thousand wallets registered. Um, but it's one of those things, it's, it's Another thing that we can provide to the community um, to kind of take advantage of that data itself. Nice, I, I yeah, and it's it's certainly a lot of um, use cases that could be extracted when uh, you have. Uh, I guess in some sense, it's uh, it's a first mover advantage as well, right? If you take into account uh, a set of. Um, the competitors at the moment, there is not a lot of aggregators, so it's it really is a very interesting and a unique uh, glimpse into um, the actual analytics on on the ecosystem. And uh, I'm sure as as the pool of users is growing, you will see more and more interesting information from me. Yeah. Place. Are there any um, interesting stories? And no need to dive too deep into them, but um, or perhaps interesting testing methodologies that uh, you guys are using um or like is there anything in particular that uh, was uh, extremely you know challenging to implement or test during uh, any of the implementation versions of the aggregator the the most challenging aspect of the whole piece has always been nfts because there's not a standard yeah there's no standard um, or there's too many standards it's oh uh, yeah honestly i wish, wish people would pick um so yeah, NFTs have always been difficult because you want to be able to show the images quickly, and in most cases, you've got a number of them, you know, a yeah. hundred or so. And in case of collections, you get three thousand on. So you need to be able to load them on the fly quickly. One of the problems we have with NFTs is that um, is the double and God forbid the the triple hop that we now have, um, which is Arc three is get metadata then go get image URL and decipher that. As I said, we've got our own node with IPFS. Um, so, you know, actually serving the data is fine. You know, once we know the address, we can get it. But um, having the URL point to 
JSON and then the JSON itself have to be read and then get the URL to get the image is the double hop. Um, Arc 69, I know that people, some purists um, don't like it because it involves a lot of um, indexer calls to get the metadata because it's in notes and stuff. Um, but the image retrieval, which is the first thing you need to do and the most important thing for NFTs really, is super fast because the URL is the URL that you need to ask for. All we need to do is switch out the IPFS part and put our own URL in there and we're, we're good. So it's a single hop. The worst thing I saw doing V3 was, I think it was, at, what's the name of that collection? Fugu? Fugu? I don't know. It's one of the newer ones that came out and everyone's very hyped for it. Lovely art. However, there's, as, I don't know where they minted them because I need to send them a nasty message, is ARC19 slash ARC3? No, it's ARC19, ARC69. There's there's a horrible algamation that makes me have to do a triple hop to get it. Um, yeah, because it's supposed to, yeah, it's, it's, it's ARC69. Because it's, um, it's ARC19. Which is a great piece of technology. Don't get me wrong; it's a it's a very novel approach to what they did, and I think Patrick and the NFT team are super super smart. Um, I just find it to be over engineered and very difficult to work with at times because I have to get a URL, decide, determine this art nineteen, which is quite easy because it says template at the front of it, and then run that, take that, find out, decipher it. So I get back the reserve address, go and get the information from the reserve address, decipher that into a URL to then go get the ARC3 data, which is up on uh, IPFS. And then, you know, you've got your normal hop there to get your, uh, and in that case, you would have the, the URL at that point. We have had instances where the URL then points to more metadata. And then, so it's another hop. And it's just, I just wish people would pick one. ARC3, ARC69, ARC19, pick one and, Go with that because it make our lives a lot easier. But they've done it now, so it's on blockchain, so it's it lives there forever. So and they can't change it. So I guess we're stuck with the standards being all mixed up together. Um, I really like the idea of Arc Thirty that uh, Evan at Cespoli put forward. I don't think it's going to get put through, but it was for um, an an ASA with metadata that would show you the collection asset IDs. So, you know, there could be, you'd, you'd mint uh, an ASA with a link to metadata that would say, here's all the asset IDs for this collection. Because right now, we, and I know that AlgoX do this, and I'm sure Rand do it, but Rand or Rand, they might have some crazy way of doing it. It's, uh, you have to just work it out. Like, what is a collection? Um, is it, how do you work out that these NFTs belong to this collection? You're doing it off the name. You're doing it off a of numbering. You're doing it off the creator address. There's no exact science to it, and it's quite um, inefficient. Um, and not when you actually write this stuff, you think this isn't good coding. I shouldn't be checking. Does it include this? And if it's this, make it this. But you you kind of have to sometimes to to really find out is that an NFT that belongs in this collection. Um, so something like that would be nice. I've went off piste again. Um, I I tend to do that. Sorry, man. No, uh, <laughs> just go on tangents about stuff. But NFTs, pick a standard. That's the most difficult thing we had to implement because it kept happening. And then, unfortunately, NFTs use NFT avatars in some cases, 
which then have the exact same problem and then you add the extra hop that you need to mm. get the NFE first and then work out what it is from that point. Um, so yeah, that's the trickiest part of things. The actual amalgamation of the data, once you get your head around the SDKs and the APIs and obviously you're working with code that's been written by a large group of people, uh, SDKs especially, um, you really have to switch and work out how does this person write their code because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of different ways um i will shout out phil at alamex or now deflex as it's um for having the easiest to use sdks and apis also the guys at pact great api um as i said folks v1 was difficult um the algofy sdk is strange because it's um it's it's circular if you've ever um gotten the results and looked at it in the debugger it's circular like the a user has a client which has a user which and it keeps going in this loop mm. I, I i'm sure there's some very good reason for it but i don't know what it is um i've not, I've not seen that and the uh the yieldly api that, that they've got at the minute you can tell that they had development team changes over time because there's not, it's not consistent. So we, you know, and for us, we like to write one little function, get pools, gets all that. But teal three, teal five, distribution pool, different type of pool, this bit. They're all different um, payload formats that come back. And you're like, why? You like know, what? You know what? This is just a, uh, a bit of topic idea, but I'm, I'm listening to your use case and I feel like there might be something you... Um... You, you you could get some good benefits from. I had this guy, uh, he's um, a, I believe a C, uh, CFO or something like that um, at a New Zealand uh, company called uh, Subquery. Have you heard of them? Ah, yes. No, I've, ta- I've talked with the folks at Subquery. And um, yeah, um, what do you think of it? Like, because uh, because it feels like in in case if you are going to grow to you know twenty thirty different integrations, it might be easier to have a a, a custom indexer that is tailored for your request rather than uh, you know trying to figure out those things manually. Really. Yeah, I, I know for I, Defy there's a lot of integration that can sometimes happen only through SDK or only through the uh, framework of sorts, but for cases when there's data coming from the indexer yeah. or NFT, anything from a chain, it feels like uh, subquery could actually uh, simplify some of the uh, aspects of I, querying for Yeah, I, one, of the, one of the things we are still looking to do, uh, but we put it in the back burner a little bit, is to produce our own API mm-hmm. uh, that then other people can use. That would um, be really helpful, yeah. Um, and for that, we were going to have, you know, access to our data, which is formatted in the way we like, but also uh, abstract, put an abstraction layer on top of a subquery um, so that people can make deep blockchain queries and, you know, have our data come into it and also subquery data come into it. Um, so maybe they ask for, you know, sales data for an NFT collection or holder information where holders that have this collection um, who also hold this ASA who do this, show me all those people. So we could use some of our data, but also subquery to go get that. Um, it's on the list. Of the, that's my most common use phrase. It's on the list of things that we want to do. So we think that would be really interesting for people to be able to use um, in the future. 
uh, I, I, I've used subquery a little bit. I was going through some of the tutorials. I found it a bit um, inconsistent in its um, way that it works. Because on Windows, didn't work. On Mac, worked. <laughs> it's like I hate when things do that because I've got you know I've, I've, I use both um, for different situations, but it's definitely on the cards. I think subquery is really cool. Um, not just because of the graph query, but just what you end up at the end with having the having things on their uh, cloud and, and, and hooked into their stuff, and so it's set up for you. Um, so it's definitely on the cards, but it, we were thinking about doing it at the start of 2023, but it'll probably be pushed out to the summer at the earliest. Um, but it's definitely something I still want to do. And to, to proceed with that, I guess um, let's move on to some of the questions that uh, are going to wrap up the um, topic of Algagator, and I think this is an interesting one that is also going to answer um, a question from the community on the ask.osamalgo.com. Um, so what's the future load roadmap uh, looks like for the Algagator? What are you are most excited about for 2023? And one additional question from my side, are you considering any um, expansion towards um, perhaps creating some sort of open source general integration platform where people could come in and let's say write adapters for some new DeFi platforms that is open source and you could leverage, you know, community members actually adding their own custom, um, let's say parsers or some custom ETLs uh, that, that Algagator can then incorporate because uh, just just maybe a bias from my side, but I feel like, you know, sometimes there's really um, a lot of uh, benefits from, you know, open sourcing and uh, gaining some people from the from the community to contribute. Yeah, I'll take the first one. I'll, I'll take the, the last one first. Um, there wasn't initial plans, but I actually, it does actually sound like a nice way to do it. Because like I say, um, we, everyone on the team has day jobs. We all work part time. I've got kids. Um, so time is limited. Yeah. Um, we don't have any funding at the minute, so this is all of our own back. Um, maybe we would open it up. I have nothing against open source. I like open source stuff. Um, so, I mean, if we were going to open source, uh, you know, the whole code base would be open source. If we were going to do it, just do the whole hog. Um, getting other community members to come in and write the adapters and such, I think it's an interesting concept. And Honestly, I will think about it. Well, it, 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 has, it has to be incentivized, of course, right? You, I, oh, no, I won't, no, no. you wouldn't get, see a, a large pool of people unless it's like people from the DeFi platforms that are uh, yeah. interested in it. But, uh, but I, I think that's what the team at ASA Stats have done. Hmm. So they're more of a collective, you know, there's the, well, I mean, there's the main guy. I can't pronounce the, the username he has. Um, there's the main guy who, in my opinion, runs the place with an iron fist. Uh, it's, a big, it's a bit of a dictator when it comes to it. There's very specific rules if you want to work with mm -hmm. ASA stats and work on ASA stats, which has got them where they want to be, and that's fair, and they can do what they like. Um, but that they went down that route, which gives you, which opens the door to being a DAO, which adds tokenization for a DAO, and, and then it adds in a whole lot of work that I genuinely am not that interested in. Um, I don't think the world is ready for DAOs to really work. Uh, I don't think the technology is really there to make them work well enough. Um, it's, and that's infrastructure related and also just in terms of 
people. I don't think people are have the mindset to make DAOs work properly. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 we wouldn't go down that route. Um, would we expand the team? Yeah, we would. But that would be official capacity, like full time. Well, say full time, full members of the team uh, to come on board and share in all the the stuff for it, rather than um, a kind of open source approach. Again, nothing against open source. I just don't think it's for us in that way of getting other contributors. Uh, we might give people the code, but I don't know if we would want contributors because, as I say, it opens up a whole lot of other stuff that we'd have to manage and deal with. Um, on the other point, what's on the roadmap? So a lot of stuff coming um, in the very near future. Like I said, folks, V2, hopefully this weekend, um, that'll finish us and have most of the big players integrated at least to a level, which will be a nice milestone for us. Um, then we've got Ultrade, so we'll get dex.algogator.finance or some other subdomain, but it'll likely be that coming in early either January, February kind of time. Um, there will be tokenization happening next year. And how we do that, the actual mechanism, if that's um, an IDO or if it's just through Ultrade or some other mechanism, we will see. Um, we've always talked about tokenization being um, attention token based or like a reward system. So we're very big fans of Brave um, and what they've done with their reward token. Um, so we wanted to kind of take that and I, I mean, everything we want to do comes back to, to users because we need to up the user count on our platform to to build it out more. It gives us more opportunities in the future. So having the reward system that when you use our application, you get something back, seems like a no brainer. Um, we will finally get our Dflex powered um, rooted swaps in. We're working on that a little while. Um, we had to redo the, the UI um, and I had to take and jump on some other stuff rather than finish that off. And uh, so we will be having Dflex and Ultrade together. Um, all trade will be for the serious traders that like that big trading interface um, and that'll be on its own subdomain uh, the deflex stuff will be in the app in its own little sub menu uh, for swaps we won't put their limit orders and stuff and it'll just be the nice simple swaps for people like me that don't really like the, the full trading interface I don't I, I honestly don't care that much um, <laughs> I've, never, I've only set limit orders so that I can integrate the, the stuff um more integrations coming uh, hopefully comments as soon your uh, cables finance um algo seller a, a number of other things coming along uh, but i think the big things like i talked about api we're just going to make sure we get the use case right for that like who actually needs this and what data do they need um we want to do membership cards for algo gear to give people some more premium features um, on the site. That's something that will be coming soon, hopefully in the new year. Um, it's also a revenue source for us because we need to pay for servers. So that that's a nice way for us to be able to do that and people get something out of it. Um, and then down the line, we want to expand the opportunities piece to, like I may have mentioned, you know, look at your history, look at who you are, what's your risk profile and serve you up stuff that we think you'll want. Um, and then one of the ultimate aims with the opportunities is instead of having a link to AlgoFi, 
is to, and you can do this with Algofy because their SDK is very good, actually just be able to sign the contract, sign the transactions there and then on our site to take advantage of that opportunity. That's that kind of composability that we want, uh, which a lot of the APIs and SDKs do give, but it's one of those things that we're putting down the line a little mm -hmm. bit because it's uh, it's very interesting, but it's it's it takes a lot of time uh, for us to integrate that kind of functionality because it's not our wheelhouse right now. Um, I'm not. I'm. I would say I am a reluctant and um, new Web two dev. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Web three. I'm pr still pretty inexperienced. Garrett has been doing blockchain and specifically algorithm for quite a while now so he's the guy uh, for that's why i handed the swap stuff off to him but we're maybe we can have the next episode uh sometime next year with garrett as well to cover your additions yeah. on the platform but uh... yeah i think that would be good but uh yeah lots of stuff comes in the pipeline but i think definitely improving the um improving opportunities the api and um possibly opening things up to um sister applications mm -hmm. that live in the same ecosystem using the same tokenization model as well and so to, to to proceed um i'm gonna ask the top question that got the most votes and after that we we can proceed to the final question of uh, of the episode where i would ask the traditional uh advice for software engineers basically um all right, so I don't know who submitted it. I, I think this was someone from Reddit, actually. Um, you could you could see the block and transaction where, where, where he submitted the question, but he's asking essentially, uh, what TPS level by end of 2023 do you think would signify a healthy growth rate on the Algorand blockchain? I, I mean, increasing transaction count is one of the things that I know that Garrett's very keen on. Um, so what can we do? Mm -hmm. these transactions um what are we at just there we're like 13 10 13 something like that on average i can't remember exactly what it is um i know that the tps ceiling is 6k but realistically on average what are we doing i think i think it's like do 10 and 13 mm -hmm. um i think if we've got an average up to something like 50 to 100 mm -hmm. i think would be good because a lot of those it's one thing i would say a lot of those transactions, see if you look at blocks on Algoscan, which is a great block explorer that's that's new. Um, if you look at Algoscan and you see, you look at every block, nearly every block has a transaction for planets, for planet mm -hmm. watch. Mm -hmm. Now, it would be super interesting and probably something you could do with subquery is say, what would our TPS average be without planet watch? I think hmm. quite a lot of the transactions come from them. And that's just, yeah, you know, this cause... stuff from their sensors going back and forth, which is genuine. They're genuine transactions, but I just don't know how much of the TPS is held up with Planet Watch. Mm -hmm. um, and I, honestly, I think TPS, user adoption, great. I think if you got to 50 or 100 TPS on average, that would be grand. We're still very early, like I said at the beginning. Um, I don't think we're going to hit the limits of the blockchain. I don't think we ever want to. If we were getting to, you know, 5999, mm -hmm. I think there's, I mean, it'd be great. But then you have to think, where, what are those transactions? I think we're going to need a lot more dApps and a lot more things going on in the chain to actually get anywhere close to that. And while I think it's an indicator of usage, 
again, how useful are those transactions, really? Yeah. Um, I don't think they give a clear picture. Especially, and same thing with like number of wallets. I know there's like 35 million wallets or something. It's like, well, every time you do X, you get a new wallet or how many of those are testing wallets? How many of those are actually in use? That kind of thing. Um, I don't know how you properly gauge it, um, but I think active wallets and active users, users and things like that would be would probably be the most interesting thing to look at if you're looking if you want to kind of gauge for the, the ecosystem. So for TPS fifty to hundred, I would say would be fine, yeah. uh, but I don't think it's a great gauge. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's it's a rather tricky question because uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> The real picture is way more uh, complicated, right? There's so many yeah. factors that, that play in, into increasing that TPS factor. But uh, just from the metrics perspective, then yeah, I guess I guess that's that's a good, healthy estimate to assume that if if we get by forty fifty, then probably there's a lot more adoption, basically. Um, and let, let's see what happens with Algorithm. I'm pretty excited to see what uh, John and the team are going to do with that. Yeah. All right. So, Kieran, it's. It's been an amazing dive into into Algogator. Let's move on to the final part of the uh, podcast. So basically, I, I keep asking this to every guest I have. So do you have any advice for software engineers who are interested in working in uh, Web3 space or working with blockchain development in general and, uh, you know, trying to get their feet into it? What, what... Yeah, um, I think for Web3 and blockchain, I think one of the most important and the best things about it is the communities. Because it's a because it's a niche technology. Let's be fair; it's a very good technology, and it's there's a lot of money behind it. But it, I would still call it a, a niche or a specialized technology. Currently, yeah. not mainstream. Um, the communities and the culture have that kind of underground kind of feel to them, especially like you've got your NFT communities and stuff like that, and also the DeFi communities and the people that that want to be there. It is quite tribal and it is quite underground, but it is quite close knit. So you will often get, if you want to get into it, start talking to people because people will be wanting, will want to talk to you and they will want to give you advice. I can't. I thought about when we did v, the V three launch of putting out a, a, a couple of tweets that said thanks to all the people that helped make this happen. And I couldn't. I couldn't actually. I couldn't think of them all because it was going to be too many. It would have just, I would have just had to like dump my entire like friends or followers list <laughs> onto Twitter. Cause there's so many people that help make that happen. Um, so that's my main advice is talk to people, get involved uh, in communities, um, pick projects that you like uh, and, and don't have the FOMO. <laughs> and if something looks too good to be true, it is. Um, everyone remembers Annie Rand. Um, good times. Um, me and Garrett were the ones that called that out. We're like, that's a scam. <laughs> that has to be a scam. <laughs> I was telling people that were like, you know, going for it. Like, no, no, no. I've talked to them. They're they're really good guys. They're really good. And I was like, it's a scam. <laughs> it's so obviously a scam. I know, but you know, for things like that, I, th I, I think to... you guys need to launch a side project called Algo Sheriff that will be like at <laughs> the centralized oracle into scams in the ecosystem. It's going to be me looking at projects going, ah, it's not good, yeah, it's not sorry. good, mate, not and good. then persisting um, it on some global state and some contracts, just yeah, for fun. yeah. I will put we talked about sister, and I think I'll, I'll, I'll put that one on the list, but I mean, with any round, I had to just give it, give it the old well, good, good work. I mean, 
I know a lot of people lost a lot of money and stuff, and that that is terrible. But I do like when stuff when stuff like that happens. It does show that people need to wise up a, a little bit um, and not throw thousands of dollars at nothing. Yeah, <laughs> objectively nothing. Um, but back on the actual question, yeah, talk to people, get involved, um, and. Do what you want to do rather than what other people think you should do, which I think is quite the same for all software development because, you know, a lot of stuff goes into DeFi staking projects, that kind of stuff, um, or the way that things are done uh, in blockchain specifically, you know, like swap interfaces. We made our swap interface completely different than what people normally, you know, with like the, the two boxes and you pick a token and yeah. or with vestige and stuff great great team fantastic product very complicated it's super complex there's so many numbers um so we made it a little bit different uh i think going against the grain does work but yeah there's always people out there to help and most people and it's funny and most people in blockchain because even though there's so much money behind it uh you know billions of dollars here and billions of dollars there a lot of people will give you their time for free which is which is so strange because in software development, that's not normally the case, but it's because of the community aspect. And just be open-minded, I think. And uh, just, I guess, a lot of people also get excited for uh, getting into an industry that is still pretty much uh, expanding and uh, yeah. growing and developing in front of your eyes. I think that's also part of... Uh, of, of like, if someone told you, imagine if, uh, I don't know, like uh, folks from... Um, Next step, uh, we're actually working on core frameworks. You you, you dealt with Xyla, so I, I suppose you may be aware, uh, familiar with like uh, things yeah. like uh, core animation library and things like that. Imagine if this was open source tech and you had an opportunity to see this being developed real time in front of you and communicate with the fo folks uh, behind it because it's one of those like cornerstones for entire um, Apple ecosystem, uh, they still do uh, rely a lot on that, even though it's in Swift now, but like the core uh, libraries that were written, I think this was uh, the, the, just just to provide as an example. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. Written, like, one of those things that also, I think, uh, attract enthusiasts in the space. But with that, Kieran, I think this has been a wonderful episode. We, we did cover a lot. I uh, I'm excited to see, you know, how the future roadmap is going to uh, roll out for you. Uh, all the best with that uh, white label marketplace that you mentioned. Uh, hopefully that is going to reduce a lot of, uh, uh, at least the aspect of not implementing it yourself are going to simplify some yeah. <laughs> uh, some work for you. But uh, overall, thanks thanks for coming uh, to the episode and being an amazing guest. And wh what do you think of the, um, of the voting? Uh, I really like it. It was really, really cool. Um, I was like, oh, I, I did vote for one of the questions. <laughs> but not the one that won, one of the other ones that had like zero votes or something like that, just to see how it worked. Um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's really, really good. Um, if you want the, the implementation, like the MyAlgo implementation and stuff, give us a shout. We can pass over some code uh, to put that in. Um, oh sure, sure. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to simplify uh, some stuff with with the wallet. Well, yeah. No, no, I, I actually found, I always found my algo to be so much simpler than Pera. I've had, I won't go into it, but I've had a lot of problems trying to get Pera to work for swap transactions. I actually had the PR to fix a, a little bug in their um, example. Uh, 
did you they tell you that it was going to be fixed in the next version? <laughs> yes, but uh, I think fixing examples is actually not something that uh, requires a lot of reviews. So uh, it went. Yeah. It was just a tiny bug. But yeah, I would say my algo um, on the integration side is easier. But uh, para, I, I'd say the very latest versions when they added the ability to jump back into the app after you logged in, I think. With that iteration, it's 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 yeah. It's we we haven't actually put in the we haven't put in the very latest version mm. yet because I know that they updated it and they've made a lot of updates and changes. We that's on the list, as they say. So I put I put it on Garrett's list. You mm -hmm. can deal with that. He doesn't well, know that yet. It's just the bump in version. Like there's no breaking changes. I think so. Hopefully, okay. uh, hopefully. But yeah, no, it was, it was great. Thank you very much for having me on. Let me waffle on about algogator and, and features and such and, and uh, see lots of stuff so no i really appreciate it thank you karen and to the listeners out there you can check out uh the the platform that uh, we've been talking about today at algogator.finance uh and the references to that is are also included on the osamongo website so thank you for listening and have a great day